You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So believe it or not, there is actual, real... Why did it feel like that was such a sudden, abrupt end to that music? Actual, real, honest-to-goodness, Green Bay Packers news. It's real. It's a thing. It exists. So we're not talking about teams coming up. It's not not happening today. Don't need it. Don't want it. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I don't know. Not today. Oh, it feels so good. I, I can't. Man, I went through yesterday. I was combing through the notes, and it's pretty labor-intensive because it's you're going through several hours of, of tweets trying to get information and then organize them in a way that kind of makes sense. Actually, I should put those notes in Twitter. That might be interesting to some people. Not Twitter, Patreon. My goodness. Anyways, the feeling of euphoria. Shortly after Kenny Clark gets his extension to go through and hear notes about football players, and there weren't even that many, but I don't even care. It just started to feel very, very real. And just for a moment, I forgot that there was a virus. You just felt like they're forging ahead. Something was going on full speed, and it didn't care that a virus existed. Imagine that. A world that just goes forward in life, and isn't laying around crippled in fear. What a great thing. And so, although I've kind of always known it, the feeling that there's going to 100,000% be a a season, and it's not even really a question, because there's a bunch of guys not even interested in thinking about it, they got other more important things to worry about, like playing football. It just felt amazing. So I'm feeling great. Unfortunately... Not a huge amount of time, so I'm going to have to rip through this pretty quickly. I spent way, way, way too much time trying to find a tidbit of information that I saw yesterday and just scrolled past, and I don't know why I did that. I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, what is that? Somebody who got exactly, or at least very close to a prediction of what Kenny Clark would be signing, went through what they thought everybody would be signing, and I was stunned by what they said Aaron Jones would be getting, to the point where I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't even see it. And I spent, apparently like 25 minutes trying to find it and that was a big mistake and here we are but anyways thank you all for tuning in due to lack of time i don't have any time to uh promote myself but there are links in the description if you're curious about anything that i've got going on anyways to support etc etc oh one thing i do have to do big giant massive shout out to mr aaron nelson thank you so much for your support on patreon i think i already said thank you to eric alcazar but if i didn't thank you too also i think it was I think it was Eric. Yeah, Eric says, do you have any other Mexican patrons? I don't actually know the nationality of the people on here. I think there's... I know there are people from out of the U.S. I want to say Norway, somewhere out in that region, but I do know that I have Mexican listeners. Uh, Mexico is the 11th highest, or the 11th most listeners of any country. It's not that many. But it's 11th, just behind U.S. minor outlying islands. (laughs) Also, big shout out to Ireland. I'm looking at the the change in listenership. Almost every country has actually gone down. 
at least below this, 158% increase in Ireland, which is now fourth on the list of uh, listeners to U.S., Canada, Australia, and then Ireland. Pretty cool, man. Anyways, as I was saying, out of time, so we should probably talk about what happened this weekend. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. So let's start off by talking about Mr. Kenny Clark. Uh, the two things we're going to talk about is Kenny Clark and training camp. And if you're already subscribed to me on uh, YouTube, you've seen me talk about these two things already a little bit. But the good thing about the podcast is it's a little less get it out there. Got a little bit more time to just let it digest a bit. And so Kenny Clark, which we knew was going to happen, the only absolute guarantee in my mind of somebody getting locked up was Kenny Clark. Everybody else, there's at least somewhat of a question mark. I think the guy I am least positive about is Corey Lindsley. We'll talk about Aaron Jones because that's kind of a, a variable sliding scale. Bakhtiari should be the most important guy on the list. Excuse me for a second. Thank you very much, phone. Should absolutely be the next signing, but as we've talked about, for some, the Packers are weird about that. Now, maybe this is a different case because he's not actually that old. And although it's his third contract, we are talking about arguably the best left tackle in football, and how in the world do you let a guy like that walk? In fact, it's almost kind of absurd that that's even... See, and that's the thing. I've been saying since forever, it's ridiculous to think that we wouldn't re-sign Bakhtiari. And then some people have kind of put that thought in my head that maybe they won't. The guy's 28 years old. We've, I don't think we've ever let a 28-year-old go. Now, third contract is a milestone that the Packers don't usually give offensive linemen. But if you think about guys that have been let go. They're in their 30s. They're 31. You know, Balaga and Sitton and all these different guys. Plus, when we got rid of guys like Lang, we had other offensive linemen waiting. We had like Lane Taylor. We had backups that were, you know, borderline starters. So, you know, David Bakhtiari, although it is a third contract, we're talking best left tackle in football, and he's only 28 years old. So I would say that's about as close to a guarantee as Kenny Clark was. Um, Kevin King will have to wait and see. I think there's a good chance, but kind of similar to Aaron Jones, it depends what his market is. He hasn't earned big boy money yet, which is why this is going to be a big year. I think the Packers like him. I think the Packers like him a lot. I think the Packers really want to keep Kevin King. But if he's going to be out there asking for like $14, 15000000 million a year, and he's putting up you know five good games a year after only playing two out of four years, I just... I don't think he's worth any of that. Plus, we got to consider that Jair is going to be looking for some big-time money pretty soon. And are the Packers willing to pay two corners big-boy money when you're getting Jair playing at kind of good-not-great level and Kevin King is a below-average corner? The answer to that question is, of course not. So that's that's iffy. And then Corey Lindsley is kind of somewhat of an outsider because we've drafted interior offensive linemen, and I know they're sixth-round pick, but we've drafted them. We have Elton Jenkins, who, again, is a center. He's playing guard. He may stay at guard, but he can easily slide to center and be a dominant center. And we got three six-round picks that have the potential of start. Corey Lindsley's looking for that third uh, contract, and he's 29 right now. So his next contract would start at the age of 30. So it is a little bit different. Plus, he's not the best center in the game. And I've talked about how much easier it is to find a good starting center as compared to an elite left tackle. So it's a completely separate situation. And I know I glossed over the Kenny Clark thing, but I want to just get to these other guys quickly. Finally, Aaron Jones. Very simple in my mind, because there's a lot of talk about their in-talks. That was a thing earlier on in the year that we're talking about how they were in-talks, and now it's kind of um, was reignited a bit. Um, and that's because Ian Rappaport 
basically said that he knows the Packers are making this a priority. Now, if that's a reality, and I have no reason to believe it's not, they, they, I mean, we're getting our answer. Because the question is, are they looking at this in terms of we're not going to pay a running back, you know, and, and on top of that, we've got A.J. Dillon and all this stuff. No, that's not, it's possible they may not reach a conclusion, but we got our answer. They're intending to pay Aaron Jones, meaning for the foreseeable future, unless something falls through, we will have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We will have this duo of a Derrick Henry type, you know, potentially 18 to 20 carries per game, bulldozing workhorse back with Aaron Jones mixed in as a really top tier slasher who has the potential of getting those 10 to 12 carries, but being also sort of that Alvin Kamara compliment. Just for reference, here is what Ian Rappaport had to say. They have a couple big-name, big-time players who still could be uh, in the running to get paid pretty shortly deals they may be working on. Aaron Jones, their standout running back, certainly that is someone that is a priority for them. I know they'd like to get him paid. So absolutely the theme of today is get excited. That's, that's all there is to it. Kenny Clark is locked up. Aaron Jones is likely about to get locked up. David Bakhtiari is very likely about to get locked up. And I saw somebody had mentioned it's possible he gets, um, he may just get franchised. I would, I would be a little bit surprised by that because I, I don't think I've ever seen the Packers do that. I just, I, I've, I haven't seen that. Not that it's impossible. Again, we're kind of in unusual territory as far as the Packers not having quite as much money as they're used to because we're spending more than Ted Thompson would. We're talking about a third contract for a, for an offensive lineman, which is unusual. So, you know, unusual territory. But, man. And the other exciting thing is just, and I've mentioned this before, how young this team is. Just incredible. Kenny Clark is 24. Zadarius, I think, is 27. Preston is 26, 27. Rashawn, obviously, is, what, 23? Dean Lowry, I think, is 26. Savage is early 20s. Amos, I think, is 26. Kirksey's 27 if, if they decide they want to keep him around. I mean, who, who's the old guy we're worried about? Jair, Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan. Who's the old guy? And I'm telling you, I mean, go look at the 49ers. I, I did this yesterday. I was doing the 49ers seven-round mock draft. They have, I want to say nine wide receivers and two of them are locked up beyond 2021 same thing with cornerbacks it might have even been corner i think it's cornerbacks there's nine of them two of them are locked up beyond 2021 wide receiver is similar their their entire team is and that's this is what i mentioned in in the video that hasn't released yet the the biggest issue with the 49ers is they started building a long time ago remember their coach got there and they were bad for several years. We forget because it's similar to Sean McVay, right? He's the greatest ever because he's good in the moment. And it's the same thing with, with Kyle Shanahan. He was, not he, but the team was garbage for like his first three years. That's why they were picking like number one overall for so many years. They had three years, I want to say, of picking in the top five or close to it at least. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So now in year four-ish, they break out. Well, guess what? Guys are getting old. Guys are getting expensive. And they just had one good year. And so now you look at their team and it's just, you know, Richard Sherman. He's 32. Kwan Williams is 29. Uh, Dante Johnson is 29. Deion Jordan up front is 30 years old. Jason Verrett is 29. Uh, Jamar Taylor is 30. Jimmy, their safeties, Jimmy Ward and Jaquisky Tart, 29 and 28. Wide receiver Travis Benjamin, 31 years old. They just signed Tavon Austin, who's 29 years old. J.J. Nelson's 28 years old. 
The amount of, of age on this team that's going bye-bye very soon is incredible. And the amount of guys do contracts. Kendrick Bourne, Tavon Austin, J.J. Nelson, Trent Taylor, Ross Dwelly, Jordan Reed, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, Trev- Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson, Jarek McKinnon, Kyle Juszczyk, Trent Williams, Ben Garland, Tom Compton, Solomon Thomas, D.J. Jones, Deion Jordan, Ronald Blair, Kerry Heider, Joe Walker, Richard Sherman, K1 Williams, Dante Johnson, Jason Verrett, Jamar Taylor, Raquel Witherspoon, Jaquiski Tart, Marcel Harris. I'm, I'm saying that to put it in context when you compare that to the Green Bay Packers. Where's the age? 27 and under, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary. Oh, Preston turned 28, so he crossed that threshold. Fair enough. 28-year-old Preston Smith is the oldest player along the defensive line. Linebackers, Kirksey, Berksey, Kamal Martin, Chris Barnes, Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton, Randy Ramsey. Christian Kirksey's 28. He's the oldest guy on the, as far as the linebackers go. Kevin King, Jair, Chandon, Josh Jackson, Stanford Samuel. I think Kadar Holman might be our oldest corner at 26. Josh Jackson is 24. Adrian Amos is 27. He's our he's our old guy. Savage is 23. Raven Green is 25. Will Redmond is 27. 28 years old. That's the oldest. The oldest players on this entire defense are 28. That's insane, and it's not very different on the on the offensive side of the ball. So this is a a a ridiculous core that's going to be around for a long time, and we can only build on it. Whereas other teams, when you go into the draft and free agency, you're not just building, you're replacing. We lock up David Bakhtiari, who's 28. Billy Turner's 29. I'm not worried about him. I mean, Lane Taylor's 31, but he's not necessarily long-term future type guy. He's a backup. Rick Wagner's 31. I mean, the offensive line is, and this is why I've said it's probably the biggest priority going into next year's draft. But, but even, I mean, if we lock up David Bakhtiari, we have our left tackle for the next, you know, three years or however long they extend him. Elton Jenkins is long-term. Billy Turner, whether we care for it or not, is locked up through 2023. We have Stepniak, Hanson, and Runyon on top of Alex Light and other guys that we have here. And so absolute worst-case scenario, even if we don't re-sign Corey Lindsley, we need a right tackle. I mean, urgently, but that's it. I just, it's just, it's its incredible. And yeah, we need more talent at wide receiver, but even wide receiver, I mean, Devontae is old man River at 28 years old. And that guy's probably about to get a contract. Our oldest running back is Tyler Irvin, who's 27. I mean, obviously we've got Mercedes Lewis, who's 36 years old, but our core, our new core is 24-year-old Jay Sternberger and 23-year-old Josiah DeGuara. I mean, come on. Come on, man. Go ahead and tell me that, that our GM doesn't know what he's doing. All these guys are here for the long haul. But anyways, yeah, so Kenny Clark, <laughs> he got an additional four years on top of this year. So 2020 is this year, and then 21, 22, 23, 24, um, Kenny's locked up. And that four-year extension was uh, for um, $70 million, which is $17.5 million, as I've said. And, and, and again, this was projected by a lot of people. I'm stunned. Because apparently they're they're paying him as a nose tackle, which is worth less money. I think that's ridiculous. As though he's anything like a nose tackle. As though we're talking about Snacks Harrison or Damata Pecco or whatever. As though he's some 345-pound, two-gapping run stuffer. He was graded as one of the best pass-rushing defensive tackles of the year last year. I think he was the third highest graded pass-rushing defensive tackle in football. Now, I'm not, I'm not complaining... I'm just saying, I am beyond excited that we got him for 17 and a half when the going rate for elite defensive tackles is 20 million minimum. So that is a fantastic deal. I could not be any more excited. We've got Kenny Clark locked up until he's 28. He's probably got another contract coming after that. 
He'll be here for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' tenure. He's one of the best players we have, and now we've got Zadarius, we've got Preston, we've got Kenny, and we've got Rashawn all up, locked up on that front. Beyond excited. Um, oh, as far as Aaron Jones, quickly before we switch over to training camp, because I need to rip through those notes. The, the interesting thing about Aaron Jones is what are we talking about? Because if you look over at, for example, Spot Track, or even at some of the top-tier running backs that are out there, and I think Aaron Jones is one of the top-tier running backs, we're talking about million, dollars Now, there's no way the Packers should pay him that, and I don't think the Packers would even consider that. So what are we talking about? Well, the interesting thing is, I read an article, and of course I closed it because I'm a freak about leaving tabs open on my computer, and I just started closing all of them. And I don't feel like looking it up again. But, But the bottom line is, another way that you could analyze this contract, as opposed to a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, and remember, Ezekiel Elliott is an every down, smash mouth, 20 carry per game kind of a guy. Christian McCaffrey's getting 2,000-plus yards from scrimmage every year. Aaron Jones has, has, first of all, had injury issues his first two years. And they've still, up until like the last, you know, the end of last year when he started getting about 20 carries or whatever, he was kind of a 12, 13, 14 carry a game kind of guy. That's what Mike McCarthy always relegated him to. And, and even Matt LaFleur, who, again, started leaning on him pretty heavily toward the end of the year, still kind of kept him in that that range, which again is why we got A.J. Dillon, because he wants his 20 carry per game guy. So the other comp that somebody came up with was a guy more like Austin Eckler, who is a really, really elite running back that just doesn't get utilized all that much. When he runs, he's an incredible runner. He also happens to be one of the better receiving backs in football. Very, very similar to Aaron Jones. Austin Eckler received a four-year, $24.5 million deal. That's an average of $6.125 million per year. I believe we're talking about somewhere in that range for Aaron Jones. I believe that's what they're in talks about. And as somebody even pointed out, even if they want to give him $30 million a year over four years, that's $7.5 million. That's still reasonable. That's still doable for a guy as valuable as Aaron Jones, who's you know leading the league in touchdowns, who's leading regularly lead, leading the league in yards per carry. But somewhere between $5 million and $7.5 million, which is what I saw when I was scrolling through, somebody said uh, seventeen point five for Kenny Clark and $5 million for Aaron Jones. And had I seen that um, you know, two months ago, I would have laughed in their face. Aaron Jones is getting a lot more than five, and Kenny Clark's getting a lot more than $17.5 million. Well, <laughs> so, so, so that's the point. I've been saying there's no way they sign Aaron Jones because he's worth north of $10 million. Maybe he's only getting $10, $11 million because of the kind of a back that he is, but he's at least getting that. Just like I said, Kenny Clark is at least getting $20 million guaranteed, and I was very wrong about that. And if the Packers are extending talks, and if they're very serious about signing him, there's no way they're talking about $13 million. So, again, the... I'm just, I'm, I'm beyond excited with all the news that's going on and, and coming to grips with the fact that I genuinely believe Aaron Jones is going to be here on a contract that is well south of $10 million, that Kenny Clark is locked up long-term for less than $20 million, and that David Bakhtiari is very likely going to be, get, be, be on this team for probably three more years. Because, you know, 30-31 is when you got to start looking elsewhere, kind of like Brian Balaga and Wagner, who we just paid to be here, is 31 years old. And I don't know what happens with Corey Lindsley and Kevin King. And to be honest, I, I honestly don't care. Just the thought of having Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, and Aaron Jones here long-term, not so worried about it. I mean, it, it means we're going to have to address corner, absolutely. 
even if Chandon steps up, you know, he's going to be a slot guy. Jair's going to be outside. We need somebody else. And it's going to upset people if we go tackle and then follow that up with a corner in the second round because we didn't, we again didn't address wide receiver. But it'll probably be more important. But again, I just, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm so excited. We got to do training camp. I don't, I'm completely out of time here. All right. Training camp notes. So the way that I do notes usually is uh, general notes first, and then I go position by position. It gets a little wonky because every note is usually at least two players, sometimes three. So Aaron Rodgers to Lazard with Josh Jackson in coverage is three players, and I don't want to have the same note three times, so I just put it in one place. So you're going to have to stash some of that information in your head. And remember that when we go to that note and I don't say that thing, remember that I said that. Make sense? Good. So first of all, uh, wide receiver Daryl Stewart, tight end James Looney, and DB, Mark Antoine DeCroix, uh, were all cut. I believe that they've got to be to 80. I think the requirement is passed now, so somebody else has to be cut. But anyways, those three are gone. Mason Crosby is officially off the COVID list. A couple other guys are working through it. Um, I believe Jay Sternberger and uh, Stepniak, maybe. But Sternberger, Curtis Bolton, Patrick Taylor, Trevon Hester, Simon Stepniak, and Yash Nijman were there but not practicing. Some of them were on PUP uh, injury. Some of them are working through COVID protocols. Um, long snapper Hunter Bradley and linebacker Greg Roberts were not seen anywhere. So that could be a could be COVID in terms of, you know, maybe if they're actively tested positive or something, they're not there, or some other kind of injury. I don't know. Um, the one interesting note, they actually started with right tackle being Billy Turner and right guard being Lane Taylor, I believe. But then after a couple snaps, they switched it to what we expected it to be, which is Wagner at right tackle and Billy Turner back at uh, left guard or right guard. But they made it very clear that the right side of the line is up for grabs. And I think that makes sense. They really like Billy Turner. They really believe he can play right tackle. I don't. And um, I mean, I, I know he's he's done well. The one interesting thing I noticed about him before or after we got him when I was looking at him is he's he's kind of as good at tackle as he is at guard. So if we did move on from Wagner, Billy Turner probably would slide out to tackle. Um, but I still don't think that's the greatest uh, idea. And the the prospect of Billy Turner beating Wagner is, I mean, it's it's close to zero. I just don't think it's going to happen. Now, can Taylor beat Billy Turner? I don't think they would let it happen because, again, they're obsessed with Billy Turner. But I just, I think it's possible Lane Taylor's a better guard. Just get that out of the way. Matt LaFleur was emphasizing the importance of third down reps when they arrived in 11-on-11 drills, so they put a lot of work into that. Um, Several comments about how good the offense looked. It says they're light years ahead of where they were a season ago, so that's a great sign going into their second year with Matt LaFleur and his scheme. Um, Offense won a lot of early, but the uh, red zone went to the defense, which is kind of standard. Practice went for an hour and 45 minutes. Quarterback notes, um, just to kind of summarize, Rodgers, you know, Rodgers was Rodgers, had some great passes. Tim Boyle was kind of the highlight for a lot of people. I have to take Andy Herman's tweets with a grain of salt because he obs- he's obsessed with Tim Boyle. And, of course, every time there was a complete from P- Tim Boyle to somebody else, he highlighted how elite Tim Boyle is. So nothing against Herman, but he's he's such a Boyle homer. I, you got to kind of – there was there was one pass in particular. He I think he called it a dime to, I think it was a dime touchdown pass to somebody, and then the next person that tweeted about it said it was a little underthrown, but a great catch, and it's like, come on, man, come on, but anyways, the, the consensus, Tim Boyle was a fantastic, um, had a fantastic outing, so Rodgers looked good, Boyle looked good, I didn't actually see any negative notes from Jordan Love, a um, couple notes, oh my goodness, it's five o'clock already, uh, Jordan Love, first pass in team is an underneath completion to Travis Fulgham, 
Love just completed a pass to Kumro to move the chains on third down. Love hits Kumro for a touchdown in team. Kumaro found space and Love hit him. Good sequence for the offense, about 20-yarder through traffic. Aaron Rodgers throws up his hands to signify us and celebrate the score. And then Lafleur's note on Love. He's very natural. There's a lot to clean up right now. He's a young quarterback. Uh, it's a lot to learn a new system. Just how specific we are with footwork, I think that takes time. So, again, he, he did great. He didn't throw any picks. He threw touchdowns, threw great passes, all that kind of stuff. But the only real negative note I saw was that you can see that he's thinking out there. Matt Lafleur said we got a lot of work to do. So, And that's a good thing. Right, if if he's playing well, and it's like, all right, we just got to work through some fundamentals. We got to work through the footwork. We got to get the processing down a little bit. But the the arm talent looks on point. Right, I'm nervous if he's throwing a bunch of picks. If he's pulling like a Trubisky type thing, where his, you know, the 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 that kind of stuff just isn't work. If he's doing good, and we have to refine him so that he's better, that's solid. And of course, you know, he's the number three quarterback, and he's you know he's going to be number three for a while because look how good Boyle is. Not for very long, I promise. They might not even elevate him this year, and that's fine. 100,000% they're going to push Jordan Love to number two very soon. Again, maybe not this year, only because that that comes with responsibility. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, you want your best quarterback out there, and you're not going to ceremonially hand that over to Jordan Love if he's not ready. But they're going to push him real hard, so I'm certainly not worried about that. Um, running backs... Aaron Jones looked good. The one note I had, Aaron Jones escapes coverage. I believe Savage and Rodgers hits him for an easy touchdown. You love seeing that, considering the contract talks and knowing that he's going to play a large part going forward, especially as a receiver. I don't want to say he's never going to be running again, but remember, he didn't run that many times in a game anyways. And so uh, he'll have a very important role. He, he might even be a red zone. As, as weird as it sounds, he, he graded out. I saw this was posted on Twitter as the number one red zone running back in all of football, and that shouldn't surprise any of us. He was almost automatic from within 10 yards. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody with a better nose for the football once he got inside the red zone. I won't say the full red zone, but with at least within 10 yards, it was just automatic. But him him coming out and just having great success in the receiving game right out of the gate. Um, A.J. Dillon, not a, not a real big amount of notes in terms of his play. Obviously, there was a ton of obsession about his, his thighs. Um, and Christian Kirksey had a great quote. I won't read it because it's incoherent, at least the way it was typed up. But essentially saying, you know, as a linebacker, you want to man up and smash somebody in the mouth when they come through your hole. But you look at him and you're like, nah, maybe we'll go low. And then you look at his thighs and think, nah, that might be a bad idea too. <laughs> so Christian Kirksey, by the way, we'll get to some of his notes. But he had, you know, as far as highlights go, he might have been number one on the list of, of really playing well. Him and, and Boyle and possibly Begleton. Obviously, the two guys I've been low on had great first camps. But um, Christian Kirksey just sounds like a really cool guy. I, I don't have high expectations for him, but just as a person, he seems awesome. Um, Tyler Irvin played a lot of snaps at wide receiver. We talked about that. If I had more time, I'd look up the stats. But primarily, when he played, he played in the slot. That was his number one thing. So um, he'll, he'll probably be doing a little bit of both, which just similar to what he did last year. Uh, the one drop in camp came from Adams, at least the one that was recorded that I saw. I'm not worried about it because Adams is a freak. Alan Lazard, fantastic day. A couple notes. Good Lord, what a one-handed uh, touchdown pass on third down by Alan Lazard. That was beyond sick. Um, MVS had a good start. Uh, first note for him, MVS catches the first deep ball of camp, beating Josh Jackson, squeezing the catch from Boyle. And then Reggie Begleton had a ton of real good uh, notes. Uh, first one from Andy Herman. And I, I haven't been listing these off who wrote it because it just you know whatever but I do want to say thank you to all the reporters or whatever getting all these great notes out here so that I can do things like this 
But it says, Rogers threw a phenomenal anticipation pass to Reggie Begleton. I swear he threw it five seconds before Begleton made his cut, made it uh, whatever. Uh, nice route and catch from Reggie Begleton, too. Goes on to say, Boyle with an absolute dime. That might have been the one. To Reggie Begleton, who's having a heck of a start. Touchdown for Reggie. Kadar beat on the play. And then the third one, Reggie Begleton plucks a pass of a slant off of Jordan Love. So three really good notes from Begleton with three different quarterbacks. Tight ends, the biggest note from the tight ends was that DeGuara got moved in a lot. They put him with first team already, which you could say, well, that's because Jace is out, maybe. But I've been saying for a while, this, this guy is a big part of the plans. There's no question he is a big part of what Matt LaFleur does with an offense. So is A.J. Dillon, probably more so for DeGuara, to be completely honest, to have that kind of an H-back type of guy, which DeGuara is. But he was out there a lot. They worked him a ton. Uh, they, they moved him, once he was done with tight ends, they moved him over to the running backs to, to play as a fullback. So they're, they're getting him up to speed fast. And and I think he will, as I said. He's five-year starter at, at Cincinnati, or five-year. I think he did I think he did start five years. Um, other notes for tight ends, Mercedes with a big touchdown uh, from Aaron Rodgers. Evan Bayless with a nice catch from Tim Boyle. Uh, moving on to the defense, defensive tackle Kenny Clark broke through for a pressure. Another note, freshly paid Kenny Clark is being more than a bit disruptive today, so he's on point, looking real good. He had some great quotes about um, his experience with this contract, being real excited. His mom was crying. He was shaking the whole nine yards. Don't mean to rush through that because it's exciting, but we are short on time. Uh, Kingsley Kiki looks like he's on point. I saw Kingsley Kiki burst through the line for a tackle for a loss on A.J. Dillon. Obviously, it wasn't actually a tackle, but still real excited about him. Um, if he can step up and be another, I mean, the, the defensive line, if Kingsley Kiki, even if he doesn't, we've got one of the better defensive lines in football. And I'm counting outside linebackers along the line because it just, that's just what it is. But man, if, if, if Kingsley Kiki can step up, it's just, it's just dumb. It's just kind of dumb how good this defensive line is going to be. Uh, Rashawn Gary apparently really leaned out. As I've been saying, as much as everybody wants to kick him inside and he'll play some of that as an inside outside guy. Their number one priority is to put him outside as an outside linebacker to be an outside linebacker. And they're not bulking him up, they're leaning him out. I've been telling you this since day one. Since we drafted him, guys have been saying, oh, we got to put him inside, got to put him inside. And I even said, he wasn't very good inside. I watched him in college. I understand because he's a bigger guy that was better against the run than he was as a pass rusher at Michigan that the instinct is, well, let's just put him inside then. I watched him. He was bad at that. He got pushed around like he was nothing. And now he's getting leaner and leaner. Again, they'll put him inside on like third down to rush the passer, not against the run in any capacity. But their number one priority is to put him outside and have him chase quarterbacks. He's going to do it, and he's going to be fine at it. Just, you got to let that go. Um, Jonathan Garvin got matched up against Bakhtiari, and it went exactly as you would expect. I wish I was there to see that, because that is a hilarious note. Uh, Randy Ramsey did a good job covering A.J. Dillon on a wheel route. There's several notes about guys dropping in coverage and breaking up these kind of wheel routes, the running backs running routes, screens, and whatnot. That's going to be an important part of the offense, and they really need to get that worked out because they struggled with that in the past, getting the timing between the quarterback, running back, offensive line, tight ends, all these guys in sync. They really struggled with that. And the way that this offense operates, that's going to be a real critical piece. And if they can get that going, oh, my goodness. Uh, linebackers, Christian Kirksey, again, tons of notes. He was the number one linebacker. Uh, first note, Christian Kirksey with a nice coverage on Aaron Jones on a crosser. Refreshing field to see a linebacker get that covered. MVS on a crosser, and guess who's right there again? It's Kirksey. He looks in total command of this defense early. Uh, next note, Kirksey absolutely knifes through the line for a tackle for a loss on Jamal. Kirksey standing out early. And then a couple quotes from Kirksey. 
Uh, I'm a Green Bay Packer, and I'm fully invested. You love to hear. I mean, again, he's just an awesome guy, and he's endeared himself to the team, to the city, to the town, to the fans. I mean, I'm again. I said what I said about his production, but I'm I'm very excited that he's a Green Bay Packer. He just seems like a great dude. Next note, I'm uh, I think I'm gonna have a good career here. Feels like home. It feels like Iowa. So he's already said this. This place feels like home to him. Cornerbacks Chandon Sullivan, as was recently predicted, um, is the starting slot cornerback. He's taken that job. Now remember, that doesn't necessarily mean Josh Jackson's just kicked to the curb. Josh has has played a lot of safety. He's playing a lot of dime linebacker. He's playing a lot of that kind of stuff. I thought maybe they would hand him this slot job, but apparently that's not the case at all. We'll see if this means Josh Jackson is just on the way out or if they're going to continue sliding him in. Now that's going to be hard because Raven Green has kind of got that spot. So it's it's kind of, you know, he's got no place to call home right now, but you know, whatever. Um, and then Stanford Samuels, who was a guy that uh, I had highlighted a while ago as an undrafted free agent that several people talked about as somebody that they felt maybe could have been drafted. Um, one of the higher, higher regarded guys that we have. Plus, anytime you have a corner that is an undrafted free agent for the Packers, you know there's potential. The Packers have failed um, in large part getting early, especially second round corners, but undrafted free agents, whew, some serious talent. But his one note, Stanford Samuel ends team's period with a touchdown saving pass breakup in the red zone. And as I said in the video, the if you read some of the other comments on that, it really sounded like an incredible play to where it looked like a guaranteed touchdown, great pass to a guy who seemingly was wide open and this guy just flies out of nowhere, stretches out and somehow smacks this ball down. Uh, safeties, Adrian Amos, one note, had a beautiful pass breakup against Devontae Adams along the sideline. Not an easy play, but Amos makes it look easy. Raven Green almost picks off Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers escapes but couldn't hit Williams. Nice play by Green. Uh, the next note on Raven, the Packers defense didn't have many injuries last year, but losing Raven Green hurt. He's back, sleeveless, and constantly around the ball. Had an end zone pass breakup of 12. And then Deshaun Amos had a nice uh, coverage rep against Darius Shepard. So the safeties were really on point as well. Finally, special teams. Hunter Bradley, I mentioned, wasn't out there. John LeGlue taking those snaps for now, so at least we know where LeGlue stands in terms of, you know, a backup long snapper. So he's got a, a chance of making the, the roster in the event of, uh, you know, needing somebody to be there to, to snap in place of Hunter Bradley. Then Mason Crosby, who was back, hits 8 of 9. He was good from 27-30, hit an extra point, 36 39 uh, 42 missed 45 wide right, and then hit 27 and 30. So, anyways, that's it. That is, Those are my notes from week one. Excuse me, um, training camp day one. But I have got to get going. You folks have yourselves a glorious, magnificent, wonderful Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow when hopefully we have just as much news. Very, very excited. Get fired up. Football is almost here. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 